Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to another episode of Patch Chat. I have technically a returning guest this time. He was on the old moniker of the podcast and he returns under the new moniker of the podcast. And you may have heard um, myself and Jake do a Broncos preview 1.0. I guess this is 1.1, maybe you'd call it. But to help me break down this game, um, as a Broncos fan rather than myself, and Jake, just going from a Patriots angle, I do have one of the illustrious crew from Five Yard Rush. It is Stocks. How's it going, my man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Illustrious. I like that word. I've not had that used to describe the Five Yard, but it's definitely up there. It's one of my favourite words. So appreciate the kind word. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I'd forgotten as well that we were we jumped on the old pod. So it's good to be coming back. Yeah, that was one of my first ever pods, I think, actually. And uh, I think I mumbled quite a lot and started my <laughs> way through quite a lot of things and then d- forgot that we'd been sitting chatting for about two hours and then goes, oh, crap, you know, most people have got a lifespan, a lifespan, a, an attention span <laughs> of about five seconds. I hope it's not a lifespan of five seconds. Um, but an attention span of five seconds, I better like shut this up and then get a message from Marf after being like, yeah, you might want to curb the, t- the time a little bit. I'm like, okay, cool. So, but yeah, you know yourself, you started off with uh, small seeds growing into big trees. You know how it is. So we get yeah, there in the uh, end, don't we? Yeah, we do. And it's all, it's a learning process. You know, we're still learning now. Every time we, we flip up the laptop and we record one of these things whether it's patch chat or five yard or whatever it is we're still learning what we're doing and making small changes and tweaks and it's just one big learning curve that's a massive ball of fun so that's why we still do it i mean if you didn't do it, if you didn't love what you're doing right you wouldn't do it because it is people just see podcasts pop up in their podcast timeline and they think oh it's a podcast some guys have you know matt and stocks have decided to have a chat for an hour or so but there's so much more work that goes into it pre and post and so if you didn't love podcasting you wouldn't do it so no that's true and um i write for nflscotland.com you write for um five yard rush as well you know even that takes up a little bit of time and before you know it's midnight and you want to get to your bed but you've still got three articles to write or whatever it might be or a podcast to edit like you and me do so it it all goes but you know we're sounding like victims here i think but we need to probably curve it and can it a little bit because we're um doing something we love i guess aren't we Uh (laughs) uh-huh but for anyone that's not familiar with five right five yard rush it is a fantasy football podcast and website you can see some articles you can grab some merch off the guys you can listen uh, um, stocks and his co-host marf most weeks um sometimes there's one or both or others um great guests to get on you know it's all there so um check it out uh, you'll get another plug at the end i'll give you time at the end stocks but with fantasy itself um how are you doing so far this year and how has 
COVID played such a big part in it, I'm guessing. Oh, the damn COVID. No, yeah. it's, um, we, we were talking before and before we hit the big red flashy button that says go that fantasy this year is uh, it's unlike anything I've I've been playing for six years properly now and it's it's a completely different ball game this year. I mean, there's so much to fantasy that is luck as well as being, you know, you can do all the research, you can make all your selections, you can play who you think is going to be right and then it will be just a complete random guy. Like a Broncos, Tim Patrick, He he's one of the target leaders now for Denver and seems to be one of the wide receivers and he's not drafted by anyone, so... <laughs> Yeah, it, it can just take you um, by complete surprise, can't it, um, this fantasy game? I mean, as you say, you can do all the planning, research, whatever you want, and you go, yep, that's my man, that's the one I want. Uh, Jerry Judy, he's the one for me. And then you see Tim Patrick getting all the throws, and you're just like, what the F is going on here? It's just, it's so unfair, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and then you've got people like CMC and Barkley and these guys going on to IR briefly or for the whole season in Barkley's case. And, you know, those first four picks were, uh, you don't lose your draft league at the draft. Sorry. But if if one of your stud running backs goes to replace them is almost impossible. Yeah. Unless you, you know, pretty much throw all your fab at it. You've, you're not guaranteed to go and get that man. You're, as you say, CMC's went down, Barclays went down. Um, immediately, everyone, if you've not already handcuffed him with Mike Davis, which you probably didn't because you might have gone Reggie Bonifon instead, um, you know, you're spending 75 bucks to go and get him and then you might end up with a crap season anyway because you've got 25 bucks left to do and get also runs effectively to pick up the rest of the year. So it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, and it, with Mike Davis, it's not even as if you're getting him for the whole season. You know, CMC's only out for four or five weeks or whatever it may be, and you've had to blow a huge portion of your fab on him. Whereas at least if Mike Davis was the running back behind Barkley, you could at least blow your fab on him and think, well, I've got him for the season. Whereas the Giants running back room's a complete mess. No yeah. one knows. I mean, Devonta Freeman looked good at the weekend, but it, it could be Wayne Gorman. It could be Dion Lewis. Who knows? And then you blow a huge portion of your fab on uh, Mike Davis, like you say, and you've got nothing left for the season. And then Christian McCaffrey's back. And I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, <laughs> it's just, it's one of those seasons where everything, I've got a few teams that I've built really well in Dynasty and they, they have survived so far. Uh, I, I mean, if everyone who listens to Five Yard knows that my home dynasty wide receivers are just off this planet. I mean, my starting three receivers are Julio, Devonta Adams, Michael Thomas. And then I've also got Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, uh, Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs. Um, who else am I missing? But And then my, my tight ends are Kittle and Kelsey. And you, and you think, oh, that's great. But then you think Kittle missed a few weeks. Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. I've been weeks without four of those six guys. And you just think, you build a strong squad and it, it just gets taken away. And I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that injuries happen because obviously that's, no one ever wants to see injuries happen. But 
it, there's just so many injuries because of the short preseason that it's just unsustainable. Mm. Whether we and now COVID's taken a huge impact. We've seen the Tennessee Titans. Apparently, the game's going ahead. We're recording this on Tuesday, I think. Um, yep, yeah, it's Tuesday. It is going to be Tuesday night football, but they've got, I think, 23 players now out on the COVID list. And we're going to talk about the Broncos, Patriots in a bit. But I mean, they've only, the Patriots have only had three positive tests, I think. And that game got moved till later on in the season. So there's a bit of discrepancy with the NFL and what they're doing with the games and stuff. And I know the Titans have already moved a bye week. So whether they could have had two, I don't, I don't know. But it's way beyond me, the whole scheduling thing, anyway. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, uh, we we spoke beforehand in in messages and stuff when we said there would be a heavy dose of COVID, as we thought there there probably would be anyway. I'm I'm guessing you didn't go into this chat blindly thinking we weren't going to talk about it. But you know, with that, where do you? Me and Jake talked about it in last week's pod um, when we were previewing the game, and really, ultimately, this should have been a, a review show of that game on Sunday, but obviously it's got moved a week. But well, where are you coming down on it now? Are you starting to think where, you know, they should just bend the season and, you know, get everyone health and safety fitting well again? Or are you just, you know, we'll just keep calm and carry on, so to speak? It's such a hard one to answer in uh, with a definitive... I could go into a massive long what I think and the cold I currently have would probably get the better of me and you'd lose <laughs> me halfway through the COVID chat. But I mean, <laughs> if you, if you look at the college side of things, there's been games postponed and, and I know that's different because they're all in different divisions and whether the bowl games are going to happen or not, that's a different thing. And they can sort of effectively create their own schedule. Whereas the 32 NFL teams are one division, if you want mm-hmm. to put that analogy. And yeah. so the NFL seem very reluctant to move the Super Bowl past the first weekend of February and I have no idea where that is they're still they, they've got some sort of contingency plan for a sort of week 18 19 games should the need be but they still want to do the Super Bowl in the first week of February which I just don't understand if it was the third or fourth week of February what's going to happen there's no other huge yeah. sporting events during that period that's going to take eyes off one of the biggest watch sporting events in the world. The Super Bowl is watched by hundreds of millions of people all over the world every year. Um, you've only got to look at TV ratings in America at the moment. I think the top 10 current in 2020 TV programs are all NFL games on, on TV ratings. So the, the appetite and hunger is there for football. And I think that in itself is possibly why the NFL want to carry on. There is obviously a need for, not a need there, there is a need for people like us who want to look out and, and have something to hold on to and mm-hmm. perhaps the NFL see that as well monetarily obviously but then that maybe they're providing an, a, an outlet for people yeah it's it is a, a tough call and myself and Jake spoke about it last week for um, our regular listeners they'll know what our stance is on it and I went into not a rant about it, but you know, it was a, a sort of a big speech, if you will, um, about such a thing. And it was just, you know, 
I'm caught in two minds myself, whether they, they carry on and do we see more injuries and things happen because of it? Well, not because of COVID, but, you know, because of the lack of pre-season and things, we'll get more injuries and then that can hamper. I mean, look what's happened to Dak and who's to say that could have been prevented if they had a full pre-season. I think it was more of a freak accident, really. Um, but Jake works in F1 and he's seen firsthand at the bubble that they've managed to create and they, they move that around the world. So to be able to move it between states seems a bit more logical, but at the same time, you're just like, well, how difficult is it? What kind of bubble have you got to create and all the rest of it? And it, it's, it's a tough one because at the back end of all the players and the coaching staff and people within the buildings of the NFL teams, there's so many more people involved, whether it's TV crews, whether, I mean, I was almost going to say Tony Roma last week and because he's on a multi-million, multi-million dollar deal, it's maybe not the same, but you know, the, the, fourth and fifth TV crews for CBS and stuff, they're not in mega bucks, you know. You've got the guys that work in local radio and national radio and the NFL network. There's so many people involved, journalists, analysts, whoever, they all rely on this big cog turning all the little cogs. It's so difficult to say, nah, just shut it down. It's it's gone for the year. And I'm the same as you. I don't, I'm sure I read it, that they've actually got a contingency plan with um for the Super Bowl next year, the the whole city is booked out for three weeks up until the very last weekend of February. They don't want to move it into March, fair enough. But I mean you've still got a three week contingency there that you can build in weeks eighteen, nineteen or have a second bye week for for teams if needed, like the Titans more than likely looking at they need it. Even the the Broncos because they've gotten their by week taken away from them and now are almost, you know, same as the Patriots, we're there till the end of the season pretty much. Like yep. there's nothing else. They've not built in anything else. And bye weeks are put in not just for scheduling issues and things, but it's also give the guys a break. But now they're not getting that break anymore unless they look out that they've got a Thursday night and then the following week you get a mini buy because you're on the Monday night. But apart from that, it's just it's just become an absolute minefield, I think. Um, but yeah, so I've kind of dragged out, dragged down the positivity a little bit there. <laughs> no, no, but I, I think it's it's a chat that you know I say needs to happen. Obviously, you and I here on our soapboxes aren't going to change what happens at all. Um, but if people start talking about it, then perhaps people who hear stuff from other people will start talking about it, and maybe ideas filter into the NFL from outside um, in a way that perhaps could influence the final decision. I mean, if they do do, uh, do, do if that 18-19 by uh, extension does happen and then you get the number one seed from each division with their bye week, from that point on, if you could host the playoffs in a bubble, you'd, you would essentially perhaps maybe give them a little bit of a security blanket where if they're off on that bye week, they go straight to the bubble location and they're almost in at that point, a two week quarantine anyway. And then the following teams would be coming in on a one week. And if everyone was tested and no one was allowed in or out, I, d- I don't know, maybe th- there should be, 
and I know the NBA did it, but then it's, it's a much smaller sport. They're not comparable at all in numbers or capacity or anything like that of team amounts. And I think, the bubble idea, I think, would work for the playoffs. Maybe I, I, mm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and it's a, it's a difficult one. In fact, I think it can possibly comes down to you know how long can you be away from your family and yep. and things. And it's, I mean, F one have had to do it. They've, whether it's Sky Sky TV cameras or news journalists, whatever they've all, they've said, see you later to your families for six months. And is it a bit facetious and to say like, well, they earn millions of dollars, what's missing your family for six months for that paycheck at the end of the day? It's, uh, there's such a, uh, and this isn't me hating on you, Matt, but there's such a BS argument that they earn a million dollars because then you've got... Yeah, no, totally. They, they're putting themselves through a car crash every weekend mm-hmm. and, and they they are elite at what they do and, and TV money's there, so they deserve to be paid so. But then you've got the guys. I mean, if you and I were members of the Patriots or Broncos staff, we we might perhaps be an analytics guy or a kit guy or mm-hmm. you know an equipment manager who he might be on thirty five thousand dollars a year, and for him to be uprooted from his family for six months, yeah, it's it's not the same as half a billion dollar Patrick Mahomes being asked no. to do the same thing. And it, no, exactly. It's total nonsense. Hundreds, yeah, for the hundreds of millions of pounds that the players earn, there's hundreds and thousands of personnel across the league. You mentioned them all earlier who aren't earning anywhere near what the players are earning. And that's some commitment to the bubble idea if, if you're willing to do that. And we've seen it on the sidelines. The sidelines have got reduced personnel, but there's still loads of people on the sidelines. And is is such a tricky one. I mean, the only way it's going to cure itself is is through vaccine. I think. And, yeah, and we're not like to see that for a while. Yeah, mask up, wash your hands, stay safe. I guess is the is just what we have to do in for the foreseeable until something is figured out a bit more. But going back to the fantasy itself, um, is there anything that you're thinking of planning and building into your teams going forward in, in the future weeks as we, we head towards Halloween and the rest of the season? Or are you just kind of having to play it by ear like the rest of us? It's, it's the, 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 the obvious one I want to say is in, in a standard redraft league, it, having two quarterbacks now is, is has to be standard procedure. You can't roll with one single streaming option because, like we've seen, games get postponed, games get moved, games get... And if you've got two solid quarterbacks on your roster, then as long as they don't have the same bye week, which now is a a bit of a pickle because bye weeks have changed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, That's definitely a must. Otherwise, it's such a... I don't know, it's such a play it by ear because you've got players that might not be playing or might be playing, like for instance, the Titan players tonight, that I didn't see Michael Thomas was designated out and I left him in a few of my lineups and all of a sudden I've got to go and get a random Bills or Titans wide receiver for a Tuesday night game because that's still an option because the Saints hadn't played. And it's just, as much 
now as ever. It is getting your ear to the ground and being constantly listening. You have to constantly keep up with information mm-hmm. to be, because you're not going to be the only person in your league in this situation. So you've got to get your finger on the pulse fast to be able to grab those players from free agency. Because most leagues I'm in now, waivers finish. Most of the leagues we run are daily waivers and they every day there's a new waiver. But when we come to the weekend, it's just not fair on some people. So we're opening up free agency and then it is a free-for-all. And then yeah. you've got to be able to grab that player first because that, and we've seen it, I've seen so many close games in fantasy this season where it, that zero turned into a three because you played the 15th wide receiver on the Tennessee <laughs> Titans on a Tuesday. Could make all the difference. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, going back to it, two quarterbacks, two tight ends, it's just depth, depth, depth. Running backs, if you drafted five running backs in the first five rounds, I'm now thinking that was a pretty good idea because <laughs> there's just, once you get past the good guys, there's no one left on waivers. And if you needed one of those guys, we talked about Mike Davis or or um, James Robinson, someone like that. If you blew your budget on them, James Robinson, okay, you've got the, the running back now for the Jaguars for the season, but... If you if you've got no fab and you're you're struggling, it's we're five weeks in. We're not even thirty three percent of the way through the fantasy season. There's Owen, and I I hate to say this as a a self labelled fantasy analyst, but there's teams I'm looking at that are Owen five now, and I'm thinking I I genuinely don't know how to save this team. I've just got I'm decimated at injury. There's no one on the waivers. And I've just I've been really unlucky in the deeper leagues I'm in. I've had more injuries, and which means there's less players on the waivers yeah. for me to try and fix the problem. So it's it's been a case of bad luck so far. And I'd like to say we could probably see it changing, but it, I don't think we will. I think this is fantasy for this season, and I I do think there's a a very real possibility we get to week nine or ten, and there's some teams that can't field lineups. You know, there'll be leagues lost because someone got into the playoffs because they had to field a team that was only half full or vice versa. They got out of playoffs because they got hammered by a team because they couldn't field a lineup. And Mm -hmm. we could well see fantasy leagues decide, you know what, we're going to knock this one on the head after 10 weeks and we'll just call it what it is. It will be it will be what it will be. Either just be a dead season or the team with the most points scored will win the league. I don't know. I, I can't see into the future, but the way it's going, it's, it's becoming unsustainable for fantasy in some respects, I think. Yeah, it's just it's an absolute train wreck um, some weeks. I think I've already had that in a couple of my lineups. You're just like, you know, you're just, you're scraping. Like, I think, well, I can't remember which team it was, but I think I ended up um Similar to you, uh, I managed to pick up Tracon Smith. I've not actually even seen how he done don't, last don't, night. Don't, don't don't look, Matt. Don't look. <laughs> <laughs> and had, uh, two receptions for three yards or something. Uh, brilliant. So Mike, Michael <laughs> Thomas out. So you pick up Tracon Smith, and that happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sanders went bananas. Um, other one of what's the guy's name? Gaitan, um, the Chargers receiver. 
Um, because scored a touchdown last week, I picked him up in the league because I mean, that's like what the level you're at, and you, you're now looking at guys like McKissick, and you're going really, but <laughs> a decent game at the weekend. So, yep, um, that's what you're that's what you're dealing with now, unfortunately. But do you think there's some sort of what do you think the silver lining possibly might be um, to all of this? Is it uh, to me it probably would, I mean, I, I'm quite f- fairly quite quiet in chats to, in in the league chat and stuff. But you know, on the the pod this week, on the five yard rush pod this week, um, I heard Murph shout out to Simo and the work that he's done um, with the the league. It's not like a, as you know, it's not a typical league with apps and everything. It's all done quite done manually, really, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, is it that sort of sense of community that we're still all here, whether it's Twitter, whether it's, you know, in the actual league chats or whatever? Do you think that's the silver lining at this whole thing, that we are all in this mess together? I think it is, yeah. And, you know, Murph and I always preach about having a, the community aspect is the most important part for us. Uh, we're trying to build a bigger fantasy community and not just fantasy, but football in general because it is so it's such a closet sport still you know people are afraid to admit that they're uh, an NFL fan unless you are a Harden fan and you you just don't care and you're happy to walk down the road in your jersey and and not everyone not everyone is that and I think this is good for the community of football I think it's great for the fantasy football community because quite a lot of I'm like you I'm pretty quiet in the chats and that's a because I've got too many chats and I just can't yep. keep up with which one is which <laughs> and and b I I am much more of a observationist as opposed to a, a proactive talker in the groups I, I like to sit and watch and listen to what people are saying and then if, if needs be I, I I have to get involved or whatever but I, I tend to tend to pretty much be quiet um, unless it's my home league with all my friends and then it's just a general lads banter group and you know I'm not saying that it shouldn't be laddie but it is a group of lads so (laughs) if there was ladies in there it would be banter but it's just laddie banter because it's 10 lads Um, but yeah I I think we could as well you know we use sleeper for all of our listener leagues and I think perhaps the fantasy football apps all of them might possibly as well take notice of stuff that is more wanted by the community because the community is now more vocal because of coming together and perhaps the apps we use see an uptick in usability interface that sort of thing because people have spoken out about it and stuff and you see the guys from sleeper on facebook groups asking for input about sleeper and and maybe that wouldn't have happened if if the community wasn't as vocal. So yeah, I think the community aspect is definitely the silver lining. Mm. Um, I think so. It's definitely something that I like about, I mean, as we just said, we're both quite quiet in chats and things, but, and I'll probably observe a bit more, but it's, I find it tough sometimes because even in my, I've got like a soccer fantasy football that I normally do, but I've just not taken a great deal of interest in the English Premier League this year. So I've, I've done a team, but I'm really not giving a crap like how it's doing or whatever. And 
Um, we always chip in money every year, but I was late to the party, and I was just like, well, "What's why am I why would I bother wasting twenty mm-hmm. quid essentially? Because I'm probably going to be crap at it this year. Because I'm just not got the same interest. That, because I find that the NFL that's one brilliant thing I've found with no crowds in these stadiums is the intricacies of the on-field stuff, and it actually doesn't matter whether there's a the crowd there or not because there's not an ebb and flow like a soccer game that, you know, the away fans are singing more than the home and vice versa, depending on how the, the team are doing on the pitch. You can pick up a lot more intricacies and stuff. And I found it, and I think a lot of people have found it the same that, you know, through this, you like, you hear the cadence of the, the quarterback, you're watching for them, the hard count, you're watching for the offsides and the neutral zone fractions and, all these kind of things that immerse yourself in the actual game rather than the spectacle around it, which I find quite cool this year as well. Um, but at the same time, some of these stadiums with with fans, I find it a bit much that in a way of being fair to the sport that a place like Kansas or was it Cleveland at the weekend, they can have fans, but New England, I think Denver's the same that, they they have no fans or Seattle's no fans and to take that away it's making it a bit uneven in a sense in that respect do you think yes it is and that is unfortunately due to the way the American states are individually governed (laughs) I I, I just as a outsider looking in that is a completely mental way to run a country when you've got the most powerful man in the world in control of what is essentially 51 governors who want to just do their own thing, really. I, uh, the fan, but what I think on to that point, the NFL have done really well is when filming the game, there is very few shots of the stadium and crowd anyway. Mm. I, I mm. found, apart from obviously field goals and extra points because you have to look through the goalposts. So you see the the fans that would or would not be or who are at the end zone. But otherwise, yeah, and that was a great example. And I think the Steelers are doing one um, perhaps this weekend where every cutout is $100, you have to buy it. But all of the money is going to a local cancer charity because of the crucial catch portion of the season. So, And that's a really good idea as well. And... I think the NFL have gone about it the right way and how they've filmed more close up as opposed to panned out maybe and mm-hmm. with the pumped in crowd noise and TV audio that's put in as well. I think they've done a good way, a good thing in keeping it to a minimum, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's as they've used the sky cam, is it? You know, the, yeah. the floating camera, they've used that a lot more this year. And, and it's it's worked really well. I, I'm in the same boat with you on this one. It is, it's worked really well. And they've shot it from these angles that it doesn't take away anything from it. Because, as I say, there's no ebb and flow of a home and away crowd. That um, The only thing difference you might get is if you're at, Arrowhead or if you're in the Mercedes Dome and you're third down and you're the away team that is sort of missing but apart from that, generally speaking I find it um, really well done and with the Broncos I'm uh, looking forward to um, seeing how they do it because it's interesting to see how each 
team does it at their at their place because mm -hmm. the as you say now well there's the South Park thing and then as you say there's the Steelers thing they're doing that and I think it's a um, really good idea to try and generate some cash whether it's not that NFL teams are struggling but um, they've done it in in Britain for certain teams they've it's a way of making extra money. Um, and I, th I think the Koreans were possibly, was it the Koreans were the first ones to do it, but they used sex dolls and that became a bit of a thing for, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if you saw, no, do you not see that? Yes. Yeah, they actually used um, sex doll mannequins to create a crowd in the in the stands, which was a bit of a hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That's true. Yeah, so at least the NFL have not gone that far. But yeah, so but speaking about the actual Broncos, I think we should get into the game a little bit now um, as well. And but first of all, Stocks, tell the listeners how you became a Broncos fan. Uh, well, that's a very good question, Matt. Um, <laughs> no, so I think it was. Uh, was it? I think it was 1997. I played a Madden demo on the PC. And the teams were the Broncos and the Falcons. And the Broncos, I think it was the third quarter you got to play. And the Broncos were winning 21-9 or something, 21-10, something like that. So I picked them because they were the winning team at that point in that game. And that was pretty much as far as my love for the Broncos went. I'd, I declared them as my team when I was 11. Uh, my mum obviously took note because she went to Florida a few years later and bought me back a John Lynch 47 white Broncos home jersey. And I, and I thought, uh, yeah, that's the one I, I'm a fan of. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Broncos and now I've got a jersey. But I hadn't really watched much football. And, and even after that, I didn't really watch much football. And it wasn't until about eight years ago when I started playing fantasy just sort of as a part-time hobby, not anywhere near as intensely as I do now that I'd started to take a note of the Denver Broncos players. And because I already had an affiliation with them, that was now who, who I followed for, 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 for argument's sake, should we say? Mm. Um, so th something I've wondered as well, I think you've maybe mentioned it on, on the five yard pod. There is, are you still a nailed down Broncos fan or have you become more of a football fan because of fantasy? If if you had to if you asked me to choose a team, it would be Denver because of where I started. But you are probably right in me being a fan of the sport and players within the sport as opposed to perhaps the Denver Broncos as a whole. And I think for me, I had to be because of how into fantasy I got and how much I needed personally to know about it. Being a fan of the Broncos almost became second nature to learning about everyone and who was on my fantasy teams. So I think, I think I am now more a fan of the sport than the Broncos, but I do still follow the Broncos as a team closer than anyone else. It's a really double-sided answer, but yeah, no, that's fair enough. That makes total sense. Cause I've probably, I've not flipped the other way, but I am, more the other side than you that I'm Patriots first and then football second as such but through fan that's the reason I play fantasy essentially it's not as much as I want to win because I'm competitive um, and listening to you guys and other podcasts and stuff 
makes me want to be even more competitive. But at the same time, I just do it to, you know, enjoy the sport and enjoy not not red zone. So I think red zone's great, but sometimes I think it takes away from it because you can't. You're not sitting watching a full game. You're not watching. You know, it just takes a flag being thrown, a decision overturned, and but you don't get you don't get that on red zone. Red zone is clearly built for fantasy but it's a it's a brilliant tool for at the same time but yeah I come down on more that I've learned more about players and things through fantasy because but at the same time I've got to focus on patriots because that's either through the the podcast or through writing etc and just through fandom in general and I take a more Patriots interest but and we were talking before we started uh, recording about the defensive league I'm in and that was purely why I joined this defensive league this year was because I've got a very limited knowledge as probably a lot of people do on as much as um, you know certain players you don't know everyone or even generally speaking a lot of them so Mm -hmm. the defensive league was just for me to learn more about linemen and not just Miles Jack or um, Jalen Ramsey or you know someone or Sherman because they're the names that stand out yep. um, to most people or Malcolm Butler in the Patriots case because of the, the interception in the in the Super Bowl you want to learn about the Jason McCourties and the uh, um, the Chase Winoviches of the world as much as and the Josie Jules and um, yeah, as much as the Von Millers of the defensive side of the ball as well I think yeah, 100%. But that's, I think that's what's good because you get, I think, you know, 99% of people who follow it are a fan of a, a particular team. And it was, it was more important for me to become a fan of the sport than to be a fan of the Broncos, if that makes sense. My, my overall love for the sport was greater than my love for the Broncos. And maybe that's because I never started following them in a sort of hardcore way, if you like, I, I just sort of picked them as my team and didn't really get into them properly, if that makes sense. I'd, yeah. So when I when I then, and I think my overall love for the game in general served me well when I was writing the rookie report for the playbook, because I don't have a college team that I associate myself with. I just follow the college game and the players mm-hmm. that are, are coming out. I was able to write all my rookie profiles with a very neutral lens. I didn't, and because when I wrote them, I wrote them pre-draft process as well. And I did that because I didn't want any form of obscurity to take hold when perhaps I knew their draft location or the college they came from. If I supported, let's say, Notre Dame, for instance, and they'd played for Notre Dame's rival, I might have had a worse opinion of them purely based on that rivalry. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was, I was able to write all the player profiles from a neutral aspect and before they were drafted. And I'm going to do the same for, for this year's playbook. I'm going to write all of, all of the player profiles before the draft. And then each player this year is going to have their own draft paragraph on landing position for them in draft. So when I come to write that bit, the rest of the profile will already be written and I won't be swayed either way, depending on their NFL landing point. Yeah, it makes sense because I, I'm i new to college and if people don't know, there is a, a an arm, a leg, 
of five yard rush since the, the five yard college podcast uh, the um ash and tom do and for me it's i i mean i just don't have the time um with a little one being on a saturday and being i've always been from an early age as much as many british people are um that you lean towards soccer games and i, I love watching bundesliga so generally speaking it'd be an depending on the Premier League game, I might swap to watching a Bundesliga game at half past five. But now, I mean, as I was saying earlier about the, the English Premier League that I've just not taken that much interest in. What was that last week, week two weeks ago? Um, Leeds were playing Man City at half past five. But yeah, I was tuning in uh, Baylor that was on ESPN, uh, yep. BT ESPN instead, because I just... I've, as I say, I've lost a bit of interest in it, and the the college game intrigues me. And listening to the the guys and the podcast helps with the intrigue of trying to build up who I possibly follow, possibly not. But at the same time, I'm the same as you. I just look through a neutral eye of, well, they're good, and I've kind of always had a, a leaning towards Alabama through the the connections with. Hightower and Nick Saban and uh, Damian Harris now, but at the same time, I'm not that big of a follower of them. I'll just I'll watch whoever's on, basically, and it's good just to sit back and actually have that neutral perspective. I go, ah, oh, he's good. He's crap. Oh my god, he's amazing. All oh, right, now <laughs> I see why he's a projected like top three wide receiver for next year's draft and things. Yeah. And I guess with your writing of it, you can do it without that bias and. A lot of the time now, in comparison to last season with the podcast, and I'm sure you do with your writing as well for that, is that you try not to get other influences because then you're just regurgitating it, using a thesaurus with different words to make it sound your own. But it's not really because you've read Twitter so much, you've listened to so much that you're just like, well, I'll just mishmash three different opinions into one and make up my own when it's not really. You can just... uh, do it and if that makes sense yeah no 100 percent. is i last year my process on on especially on the rookie because that was my half of the book essentially was to sit down and try and watch at least three games worth of highlights for each player before i had visited any website or listened to any podcast that was talking about perhaps you know, wide receivers or tight because in the fantasy football playbook, it is only offensive players. We, we don't have the resources to stretch to the defensive side of the ball yet. So you'll be there all night, all year. I, it, it was a process, let me tell you, but I wanted to formulate my own opinion and I'm not sitting here saying that I am an NFL scout or I know what I'm looking at, but when you start to watch football really regularly and you watch Russell Wilson, you watch Patrick Mahomes and you watch Kyle Allen and you watch uh, Brett Huntley, you know, you can formulate your own opinion as to who is a 10 and who is a zero and where they all fit on that scale. And as long as you can back up your scale with why you got to that point, if it makes sense and is feasible, then your opinion is, is as valid as anyone else's because it makes sense it's all very well like you say mashing people's words together then regurgitating them that's great and that might help you form an opinion but that isn't your opinion Mm. and if you can for instance when 
Tom from Five Hundred College and I were talking about Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback. We were he, he sent me a highlight package and I was going through it and he said, "What do you think of this guy?" And I said, "His mobility is unreal. The, the way he shifts his hips in the pocket to get out of trouble is ridiculous." but he's got a really over-the-top sort of almost rounded throwing, slightly slow throwing motion. And I, I said, it's accurate and it's on point, but perhaps it's too long for the speed needed at the next level. And he said, I hadn't even picked that out. I just, I just saw him making good passes on the tape that we both watched. And he hadn't picked up something that I had picked up and there's bound to be stuff that I didn't pick up that he picked up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I wouldn't know that if I'd have gone on um, NFL for their scouting review or wherever it is you go for your scouting review and you just read that Trey Lance is this, Trey Lance is that, Trey Lance is this. And you hadn't watched any tape and no one had pointed out that his throwing motion was at least different to everyone else. You wouldn't know it. So without being eyes on, analytics are great and write-ups and articles are fantastic but unless you've actually seen something with your own eyes you can't formulate your own opinion no definitely for sure and um that exact throwing motion is what i think about Derek carr's throwing motion actually he he's got that throw that he just i wrote about the the other week and before the patriots played them and his look he doesn't for me he doesn't throw it like fizzing it towards like the numbers on the chest he's got this mm. lofty throw that is far more easier to pick off if you're a cornerback or a safety or a linebacker that's dropped off because you can see it coming then yep. and that's what makes him poor in comparison to a lot of other quarterbacks that, that are going around the league and just something like that as you say that little bit of tweaking to your analysis can make all the difference and but at the same time you can then suck in what like Tom said or what somebody else said and then your opinion becomes even more valid and in a way and more detailed and defined I guess as well doesn't it yep but with the um, Broncos as well um, obviously we've moved to to this week so that's why we're doing a a second preview of this game folks Um, I mentioned Damien Harris um, a minute ago um, myself and Jake, we've kind of jumped on the hype train of him now. We did before he actually got on the field and, and broke <laughs> away for 100 yards the other week. Well, we, I have to get that point in. Um, we've been, I think a lot of Patriots fans have been waiting for him to bust out and actually become his own thing because he was picked up. He was highly rated coming out of college last year, but it ended up, you know, the Bill Belichick thing. He just red shirts um, running backs pretty much for their first year and it might have actually served him in good stead but do you see him and the other running backs having a good game this week against the Broncos? Uh, yes I mean it's very difficult not to in the way the Patriots are playing football at the moment I think currently they're graded as the second best rushing attack in football um, gaining something like 175 yards on the ground a game I, I, that is something I've picked out of listening to a podcast at some point this week so that could stat could be wildly off but <laughs> it's something like that and I know it's up there high and when you think about the Broncos defense currently you know Von Miller missing um Gerald Casey I think is now out for the season it, it's all 
I think it massively, massively hinges on how Shelby Harris plays against your right to, uh, right guard. I think that is the huge matchup. If he's able to get into the backfield quick, I think perhaps there's a chance we can stop some of the run game. I need, We really need Bradley Chubb to play well. And then mm-hmm. you mentioned him earlier. Um, Josie Jewell, I think he's he's come on quite well this season so far, and it is up to your linebackers to to really stifle the run game and fill the box and get to the outside. And Josie Jewell's got the speed to get to the outside, which is needed because James White, if he gets to the outside, he's gone. So yeah, I think. I, I don't know. I, I, it's very. I want to sit here and say no. The Broncos are going to stuff the run, <laughs> but it, it's just the way. The greatest coach that has, in my opinion, has ever coached football, is coaching them to run the ball at the moment, and they're doing it so effectively. And adding Cam to that game plan is almost a two-headed uh, a monster because yes, he's going to run, but with so many options and read options and stuff like that, who's got the ball and that decisive split second could cause this Broncos defense a multitude of problems. And luckily Cam isn't throwing it that much at the moment. I mean, I I don't know if Cam's actually going to start it. I know there's been negative tests come back, but he's asymptomatic, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's cleared to play yet. I think he's. I think he should be because he's had no positive test come back again, and he's. I think that would be. What's that? Ten days removed as we record since the actual first test, and I think it's six, six days since the last positive test. So he's passed the incubation period in the five-day protocol. So, I think you. I think. And to the best of my knowledge, he should be playing this weekend. But I was just about to ask you that. I think it's unfair, taking taking the Patriots' hat off for a second, I think it's unfair that the game's moved partly ba- based on that. Um, I mean, it might actually work in your favour that you could possibly have Drew Locke back um, instead of Brett at the weekend. But... Um, for the point of Cam Newton, I think it's unfair that the game gets moved and then he is now back in the game. If you see what I mean? Because, you know, you're playing an inferior quarterback, whether it's Brian Hoyer, Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham, um, Dirt Stidham. If, you know, you're playing an inferior quarterback in those two in comparison to Cam. But now, if Cam is back, then you're just like, <laughs> you know, what the hell? Uh, it's... For me, I'd be a bit aggrieved if I was a Broncos fan. Anyway, yeah, I. It's we all should have expected this sort of thing to happen because of COVID, and. But I also get the players' point of view when they train on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, miss Friday, train on a Saturday for the game on the Sunday, and then it, you know, they find out on the Sunday morning it's not happening. To then not have a bye week and play 12 straight weeks of football. Yeah. It's brutal. Ridiculous. It's really ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. And then when you think there's already been so many injuries because of 
not enough practice time and, and now no rest time. The Broncos are essentially playing a full 16-week season lest there be an extra buy thrown in, please. But then we were, if we lose to the Patriots, they then take on the Kansas City Chiefs. They then go to the Chargers. They're two divisional games, which we're going to get blown away by the Chiefs. That game against the um, Raiders at the weekend was an anomaly. And that's pretty much what the Chiefs needed to awaken the beast. I think from now on out, we see the Chiefs just full on destroy everybody. Um mm. And and sleeping giants do need to be awoken, and that could well be the case for the Chiefs. So I'm fully expected to get sideswiped by the Chiefs, and then the Chargers are playing pretty good football at the moment. I mean, there's a kid out there, Justin Herbert, who you know he's pretty good. So yeah, he's looking alright, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Um, Drew Lock might be back for the game against the Patriots. There's, I know he's now practicing, but there's nothing to say he'll start. Mm-hmm. Um, and Noah Fant might be back. I mean, he's trending. He's trending in the right way. AJ Bouye would be massive for us if he could come back. But then he's not actually activated off the IR yet. So on the Tuesday, I I can't see him playing this weekend. I think it would be more likely he's back for the Chiefs or Chargers. And I think we really need AJ Bouye on the field to help. Michael Ojemudia, Michael Ojemudia, sorry, murdered that. Um, <laughs> he's shown some good things against the Titans. He was good week one, but he has shown those rookie mistakes as a cornerback. And cornerback, I don't care whether you come from the SEC, the Big Ten, if you play for Bama, there are very few cornerbacks who come into the league and are able to hang with the NFL elite. It just doesn't happen. You just don't see people hang with route runners like Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. These guys are technicians at their sport. They've been doing it for years. And we've seen it with Jeff Okuda. It's taking him time to adjust to the NFL. And he could have gone number two overall to Washington. That was that was a possibility if they didn't take, if they didn't take Chase Young. So, you know, I... I I just think having AJ Bouyou back would have been a massive, massive boost for him going against Julian Edelman. And I know Bryce Callahan's probably going to shadow Callahan from the, uh, Edelman from the slot. Sorry, but yeah, I mean it's it's not. I I, I don't think we're going to win. <laughs> I've, I've taken me a long time to get there, but yeah, I don't think we're going to win. <laughs> No, no, uh, um, take your time. It's uh, it's good chat, regardless of uh, how long it takes. Don't you worry about that. And I was just, um, just thinking, as you were saying that, um, when you're speaking about the, the Chiefs and the Chargers games you've got coming up ahead and the Raiders anomaly from the weekend, was I, I was out walking the dogs at a time, and if, I, if it, I'm out at that time of night on a Sunday, I'll stick on TalkSport 2 and listen to that and the guys. I think it was Will Gavin said that the stat is... The Kansas City Chiefs are twenty-eight and two up until before the Raiders game. Twenty-eight and two against the divisional rivals um in the, the last number of years. And at no point during the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady era, for all the crap that the Bills, the the Dolphins and the the Jets have been over the years, and everyone's saying it's just a cakewalk for the Patriots in the AFC East. For all the, those years, they never had a 28-2 record against their divisional rivals in 20 years. But over the last few 
um, the Chiefs have managed it in their division. So it shows, just shows yeah. a bit the dominance, I guess, for what they've done, especially when Mahomes has kicked them on that next level as well uh, after Smith. Yeah, that's mad. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I just, I just, I was, I guess my ears were lucky that I heard the radio at that time when they when they said <laughs> that stat because I was walking the dogs. I was like, what? <laughs> that never in twenty years of the, the Brady and Belichick era did they go that uh, that kind of stretch of a run and against their divisional opponents for all the derisory comments that it's a, a one-team league over that stretch. They they never had a. But it's never said against the Chiefs, but maybe it will be now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But the the game, yeah. Um, I guess you have before the season. Well, maybe before the season started, or go. Certainly, it sounds going in it now. A week, a week removed from when it should have been on. You, you'd kind of chalked it up for a a loss. Um, but do you think? How do you see the rest of the Broncos season going? I, uh, it's it's such a difficult one. I mean, we started, we started the season before the season. I should say, such a positive mindset. You know, we'd we'd given Drew Locke all the weapons he could have possibly needed, and all of a sudden, there isn't anyone available. Cortland Sutton's gone. Philip Lindsay was injured. KJ Hamler's now injured. You know, Jerry Judy, he's had three quarterbacks in five weeks. And it's not exactly an ideal way to start the season. Von Miller missing. There's just so many things that haven't gone our way. And I, can, I think I can see our season now being a season to look towards next year. Use the guys we've got to see what we've got and what we need for the draft. And we need to seriously evaluate Drew Locke's actual ability between now and the end of the season because if it continues to get really bad you know we're we're only one game behind the Jets record so (laughs) if it carries on the way it is to the end of the season we might we could be picking fourth I mean if the teams we could trade up or and if Drew Locke isn't the guy there's there's two or three quarterbacks in the upcoming draft who are pretty good so yeah yeah it's tricky Wait and see, I guess. Um, uh, I can see, yeah, I can see your conundrum. Uh, it's it was looking so prosperous, and it's all of a sudden five weeks in, looking uh, a bit worse for wear, shall we say? Um, but last thing I want to ask you: um, you've already said they'll probably lose on Sunday. What sort of prediction and scoreline are you looking at? So I think it will be low scoring. I think uh, I, I really want to say we get in twice and I think we score 17 maybe uh, uh, yeah I don't know 27 17 something like that possibly I think Damian Harris is going to announce himself as uh, like you guys said a, a top draw running back there's he was the best running back coming out of high school in his class you know that you High, apparently high school stats don't matter but Damian Harris was the five star running back coming out of high school went to Bama okay running backs at Bama there's always loads of running backs at Bama <laughs> yeah. so you don't really get your turn but if Bill Belichick's done right by him by letting him start this, the, his career 
you know, red shirt. And then if Damian Harris is going to announce himself and he does it against the Broncos, then it would not surprise me at all. So, yeah, I think 27-17s, that's my guess. Yeah, it sounds about roughly what I was thinking um, along the lines of, I think last week, uh, myself and Jake, I said that uh, my prediction, regardless of scoreline, was two touchdowns for Damian Harris and two sacks for Chase Winovich. Um, and then I'll take a scoreline of a win of any sort on top of that. <laughs> two sacks for Chase Winovich. Haven't you guys only had seven over the season so far? Yeah, it's not been a lot, um, but <laughs> he's he's going to announce himself in the next few weeks as well because his trajectory is just going up and up and I really like him. I liked him last year coming into the team and I, I like him even more this year. So I'm a defensive guy. I like watching um, the defensive players, especially linebackers and, and edges that just smash a quarterback to smithereens. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it, if it makes you feel better, I think I've got him in all three of my IDP teams this year. So. I think I've got him in two out of three of mine. I can't remember off the top of my head. Definitely at least two, I think. Um, but yeah, no, the, um, I think that'll wrap us up pretty much, Docs. But apart from ending the podcast here, I'm going to give you the floor to plug Five Yard Rush again, the, the podcast, the website, the, the book, because it's still an interesting read, even at this stage of the season. Everything you want to plug, go for it. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the soapbox. No, you said earlier, we are a fantasy football podcast. We have episodes drop on a Monday, a Tuesday, most Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And then the Five Yard College arm leg extension, like you said earlier, Matt, they've got a (laughs) podcast that drops on a Wednesday. So we've got the whole working week covered for your ear delight. And then fiveyardrush.co.uk is the website. We've got anywhere between two and five articles dropping a day covering all of your fantasy football needs, college needs. We've got some gambling stuff in there, spread betting and, and that's college and NFL now. And then, yeah, the fantasy football playbook Murph and I spent five months of last four or five months of last winter putting together our first publication, which was a beginner's guide all the way through to expert advice for fantasy football. There was rankings like I mentioned earlier, rookie profiles for, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but it was at least three tiers of each position. And there's going to be more next year. And I've somehow committed myself to doing that already, which I'm pretty excited about. And yeah, that was, I think it was, help me out here, Matt. I think it's 6.99 at the moment on the website. And it, it's still got loads of relevant stuff for this season inside it. Um, which reminds me, we should probably drop the price now. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe I'll speak to our, <laughs> our website guy. We'll drop the price a little bit and and you can pick yourself a bargain up and some reading for the cold winter months to come ahead. But yeah, do check us out. We're on Twitter at 5 Yard Rush. The website is 5yardrush.co.uk. And then you can find the podcast pretty much everywhere in the world that delivers your podcasts. Sweet, man. Sounds good. Uh, thanks again. appreciate your time and um, look forward to hearing you in my ears very soon and, uh, on the 5 Yard Rush. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was good fun as always. And I'm sorry I've got a cold, everybody. I, I tried to get rid of my appearance on this pod, but it's reared its ugly head once again. So, yeah, I apologize for my audio tones not being great, Matt. Sorry, mate. No, no, you're, you're good to go. Don't worry about it. But um, thanks again, and we'll speak soon. Take care, buddy. Stay safe. Cheers.
And my thanks goes out to Stocks of Five Yard Rush for helping me preview the Broncos game 1.2, 2.0, whatever it is. You know, it's um, becoming a bit mental, this whole COVID thing. But yeah, we obviously know the, the game was supposed to be Sunday past, but now it'll be Sunday coming. So yeah, thanks very much to Stocks of Five Yard Rush for helping us out with the episode this week. Just before I go, guys, just a reminder to rate, review and subscribe. Catch us on Twitter, catch us on Instagram, tell your friends about us. And, you know, word of mouth is as good as anything, but social media follows, like, shares, interaction is always much appreciated as well. You will find us on all your good podcatcher apps, iTunes, and, you know, go from there, filter in anything. I use Podcast Addict for a lot of my ones on my Android phone. So, yeah, you'll find us on any good podcatcher apps as well to interact with us and things, like I said, on Twitter, it's at PatsChatUK. For myself, it's at Matt Inkstar. For Jake, it is at Jake Paul Design and at Five Yard Rush for stocks and the guys there, like he said in his little intro. So that's it, guys. Thanks very much for listening. As always, up until next time, see ya.